Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 204 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. On today's episode, Krista Williams, the co-host and co-founder of Almost 30 Podcasts and Community, is here to talk about her relationship with alcohol and how and why she decided to break up with alcohol at the tender young age of 26. We venture into her what her relationship looks like today and how to redefine yourself within your friend group in order to be your best self. This is such a fantastic episode. Let's get into it. Krista Williams, what the hell is going on? Oh, nothing. I'm just hanging out now. I'm really excited about what we were talking about before, which is this small shop in Los Angeles for oh, spiritual. Yeah. Oh, you got me all excited. yes. Oh my God. That was like my first stop on my trip to LA. I had to like, just, you got to get your like spiritual wellness in check. It's yes. so important. And- it's so and I'm all about what I liked about the place that you send is it's off the beaten path. It has a crappy website. Yeah. There's no marketing or branding. It's really just bare bones. And yep. yeah, that's what I'm looking for with my spiritual counselor counselors. I don't want them to have websites. I don't want them to have social media. I want them to be so off the grid. They're like impossible to find. <laughs> I love it. It's like the best kept secrets, right? Like yes, you- exactly. Yeah. You know, I don't want you to think too much about your branding or what you look like. Like, let's just focus on like your lane and what you do. That's it. We want the true OGs. The true OGs are like, there's this one psychic that I see all of my friends see her. Her name is Tony. All we have is her phone number. We have no idea where she lives. She like answers sometimes she doesn't others. Some people she replies to some people she doesn't. If she does get a call with you, she's usually 45 minutes late. Like, it's just like (laughs) such a shit show but it's like yeah. she's so good so you're like dude i'll do anything that's yeah. fine you do- <laughs> you're at tony's disposal <laughs> literally at tony's disposal like you reply to you'll text her like hey tony can i schedule an appointment she's like hi baby and she'll never reply like it's just <laughs> bless her bless her but yeah i'm got me excited but i'm excited to talk because I know we've known each other over the years and i just love what yeah. you do and um sober curiosity and not drinking or you know, having a different relationship with alcohol has been something that I've been talking about a little bit more. Um, I'm someone that stopped drinking when I was like 26. So, um, but I feel Mm -hmm. like it's now just gaining a lot of popularity, which is wild. Dude, it is so trendy, but like, I want to back it up because like, speaking of OGs, I got to give credit where credit is due because you, to me, like, I mean, to me and so many others, like you are the OG of podcasting. You're the OG of like, creating these beautiful wellness spaces and holding space for women who were just like trying to figure it out and trying to better themselves. And you 
and of course your podcast partner Lindsay are like the OGs of that and like bringing this wellness to our generation I feel like you guys are like the voice of it thank you I think when you're in your own mind you don't feel like that you know you kind of just go about your day. But yeah, Lindsay and I started almost 30 when we were 28 or something. And we really started it because we felt lost in our lives. We felt like there wasn't any spaces for us to be ourselves or explore things or have deep conversations, but also bring levity to them. And we felt like there was a seriousness in the spiritual space. And um, we just started the podcast because we wanted to fill a void for what we wanted, which was to feel less alone and to learn yeah. along the journey. And it's really just evolved along the way to creating spaces and places that we are really interested in and that we are really passionate about and we are really intuitive led, intuitively led by. And I'm really grateful because I never thought I'd be able to do what I loved. You know, I grew up in a small town and no one really did that. So yeah. to have the opportunity to be myself in my work is just the biggest blessing. And I hope that, you know, for everybody. Yeah. Like when you guys set out, did you even think like all that you were doing now would be possible or like, could you even envision that? Like you guys were so ahead of your time. Yeah. And no, we weren't, we could, I couldn't have envisioned anything because if I could have, I would have overwhelmed myself so much that I would have freaked out and not been able to do it. Like mm-hmm. this is what I've really learned in my life is that the right things are revealed to me at the right time. Or like I sort of take my intuition in increments rather than like big picture. And also if I would have seen too far ahead, I probably would have strangled it because mm. what I've realized is that in my life, most of the things that I've manifested or created or done that are truly intuitively led or aligned to my soul have not had a blueprint. Like we didn't have a blueprint for creating a podcast and community and brand around what we were doing. No one was really doing that. There was other podcasts that had females, of course, but they were more like just audio focused. They weren't as focused on in person or community or whatever. And so when I am at the point now where we have an established business and we do our thing, and now I want to recreate that thing, you know, it's hard for me Mm -hmm. to do it because I almost like suffocate it because I want it to be something that I'm forcing it to be rather than allowing it to just evolve naturally, which is what we did with almost 30. So we had no idea what we were yeah. doing, but we took it step by step. And I'm so grateful for Lindsay as my best friend and business partner, because without her as my rock and sounding board and creative partner, like I would have never been able to do this. Like you just have every single moment and every single step. I had someone to support me and I had someone to Mm. be with me in the process, almost like a marriage, you know? And yeah. So our relationship was a huge part of our success. That's so cool. Like, and what fun, like to do business and life, like with your bestie. Yeah. It's amazing. So I never thought that either. I was like, she's my, she's my life partner and it's amazing, (sighs) but it's also, it has its challenges. You know, we've worked a lot on our relationship. Like I don't recommend people working with their best friends because it's not as easy as it may look. And you have to do a lot of work on yourself and in the relationship, just like marriage, but it's fucking, yeah, it's so fun. (laughs) So I want to talk about your relationship with alcohol. Speaking of relationships, um, how do you identify? Like when it term in terms of alcohol, how do you identify? 
I would just say sober. I would say okay. I'm just someone that doesn't drink. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's been that way since I was 26. So it's been that way a really long time. Wow. Um, and I remember, yeah, when I was 26, I was living in Chicago, which is a big drinking city. Yeah. I was outside of college. My friends were going out and I were going out all the time. We were drinking and there was just moments when I was sort of in my awakening process where I was kind of watching myself out of body mm -hmm. and I would watch myself drunk or I'd watch myself drinking. And I would just think, is that the person that I want to be? Like, is this mm. the person that I want to be? Do I want yeah. to be someone that's stumbling, that's slurring, that's falling off of tables? Like I remember one time in Chicago, I was with a friend dancing on a table. As you naturally. Know. Yeah. Naturally. If I'm mm -hmm. dancing, it's going to be on a table. And I fell from the table and I remember I cut my arm and I should have gone to the hospital, but we were honestly too drunk to go to the hospital. Yeah. And I just was thinking like, this is not my highest expression. This is not the person mm -hmm. that I want to be. And I also never really enjoyed drinking. You know, I never got the feeling that I saw a lot of my friends had, which was ecstasy or fun or laughter or looseness. Yeah. I would usually depressed or emotional or just not feeling like myself. So um, from that point, you know, I've changed my relationship. And since I've pretty much been sober, I haven't really had periods of drinking. I've probably had 20 drinks in the past 10 years. Yeah. And when, like, when would you have a drink? Like when would that come up for you? Yeah. Now or then? Well, I guess like then, like throughout the 10 years. Totally. So if I, throughout the time when I kind of stopped drinking, I think I was pretty strict about it at first. Okay. Um, when I stopped just because I wanted to establish that pattern and routine. And yeah. I actually really wanted to establish a new identity with the people in my life so that they saw me as someone that had clear boundaries around the way I related to alcohol. Yeah. And I did this as well with, um, I'm plant-based. I'm vegan. I've been vegan forever. I don't think everyone should do it, but for me, it was something that just felt really good spiritually. So okay. when I made that decision, I wanted to just be super clear and kind of get over the hump with people yeah. of how we were going to relate to me and to alcohol. And so that yeah. the period of time after I decided was kind of crunchy and there was months where it felt a little funky, where people would pressure me and people would ask questions. Yeah. But after we got over the hump of, of people now understanding that this is how I was with alcohol, it was so much easier. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for people, you know, that are sober or, you know, choosing to abstain from alcohol, it's easier than it was 10 years ago, but it's still like having the boundaries around it is something that I think is going to be most important for them. Um, yeah. but back to your question around when I've had drinks, probably like champagne at Lindsay's wedding. Okay. A drink at dinner. Um, wine if I'm on vacation, wine if I'm in Europe. Um, yeah, it'll just be when I feel called and when I feel like intuitively led to having it or it feels special or it feels like I want to share in a moment with the people that I love. Yeah. Do you think it's it's different than, you know, like your 25-year-old having a, having a drink or going out? Like what is the intention behind it? Is it just one or like what does it look like? Yes, exactly. Sometimes, honestly, now it's, I'll probably have three sips and like be done. Yeah. I remember with my husband, it would be like, he'd be like, let's have a drink. And I'd be like, okay, I'll order wine. And I would have four sips and then he'd drink the rest of my wine. Cause I just wanted the moment of wine arriving to my table, holding the glass, trying it, Yeah, you know, the, the vibe, but, um, it's much more intentional. It's much more thoughtful. It's much more 
about how I'm relating to the energy of the moment with people that I love. Mm-hmm. Whereas before it was because I felt uncomfortable with being out without it. And because yeah. everyone else was doing it and everyone else was in an altered state. So it felt weird for me to not be in an altered state. Totally. And mostly because I was doing things that I didn't really like to do. Like I was going out to frat parties. I was going to these like dirty basements, you know, all these like weird stuff that you do in your early twenties. And I didn't really enjoy the people I was with besides my friends. I didn't really enjoy the guys we talked to. I didn't really like what we were doing, like beer pong and flip cup. So it's like, I would just get drunk to sort of provide myself entertainment or like an escape. Mm. Yeah. I want to talk a, a little bit more about boundaries because this is a huge, huge pain point when someone is trying to change their relationship with alcohol, but like they're almost typecast, you know, as that, that old self, right. Or like that old party girl or like, oh, you know, Melissa always drinks red wine when we go out. Like, how did you navigate that? Because that is such and like you said, it it takes a little bit of time, but you wanted to establish like this new person or this new like persona, this new piece of you, right? Because mm-hmm. we all have these pieces. It's in you. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you, how did you navigate and how did you hold those boundaries? Yeah, I think this is the biggest question that I'll get. And I think it's so important because when we have alcohol as an example, you know, it's not just our relationship to alcohol, it's our relationship to others and yes. our relationship to uh, these situations where we were drinking alcohol. It's people projecting their relationship to alcohol on you. It just can be really, really funky. And when I, you know, I'm no stranger to doing things that people don't understand. It's like been a part of my experience in life for a long time. I've, you know, just been someone that has always done that. So there's a part of me that actually really enjoys it where everyone's doing one thing. I'm like, I'm going to actually do another thing. Um, And that's the part of my identity. But I think that when I was able to get past the point of feeling pretentious about it, because I think you can have that moment in spirituality with drinking these things. And you can get to the true integrated part where you're like, you know what? I didn't feel good when I drank alcohol. Like Mm. I'm just choosing to not drink and kind of make it simple, make it about you, make it about your experience um, and try to not make it something that people feel like they're being judged by. And Mm. we can't control if someone perceives you to be judging them, but what we can control is our energy around alcohol and how we are saying how we feel and how we're relating to alcohol. So trying to be as clear and as kind as possible in our conversations and in our relationships and in the boundaries that we set. And I also tried to make it a benefit to my relationships. So Mm. I would always be the DD. I would always be the person that would watch our purses, that would watch our jackets. I would be the person that would get everyone home. I would be the person that would um, just sort of be like the caretaker of everyone when I was yeah. sober and sort of managing everything and making everyone feel safe. So holding space in, in a way. And so it ended up being something where people really appreciated it because they could feel safe that I was sort of the one that was, you know, with it throughout the process. Um, but if you do have people in your life that have a problem with you not drinking, that's a red flag personally. No one should have a problem with you doing something that works for you in your life because they have a problem 
with it. You know, it's not a relationship I want to be in where they're trying to control me and what I want to do and what I want to do, especially for the betterment of me. And so any relationships like that, I would just recategorize as like not a friend or someone that I wanted to spend less time with. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we all judge each other. Let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. We're it's a human thing to do. We judge each other. But someone, like you said, someone judging you for doing something that's good for yourself and like only brings you like positive things. No. Wow. I had more people and what I tolerance say- for that shit anymore. That's exactly it. Is like it's funny because I was yeah. trying to remember because someone was asking me there, like, what do you say to what did you say to people when you stopped drinking? I'm like, I'm trying to remember because I'm trying to remember if I cared because I I don't know. Right. If I, I'm trying to remember that feeling of caring what people thought. Not that I'm yeah. saying I don't care what you think, but in that way. Um, but what I actually found was that more people were curious and almost envious of me for being mm. able to make that decision for myself and not drink. It was almost like people were like, oh, I'd love to try that. Or like, how do you feel? Or like people actually were like more excited and curious about what I was doing than judgmental in my experience, because I think everyone wants to feel their best. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to feel connected to their body. Everyone wants to feel like they can be themselves. Everyone wants to feel like they're making progress in their life. And I think they know that alcohol can sometimes prohibit that. So they're always like, looking for an example or an expander of someone who's doing that. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, I used to wear a, a necklace, like a name necklace that said sober really? and people would read it and be like, like, okay, obviously your name's not sober, but like, Oh, but it was like the best conversation starter. Mm-hmm. And it was like innocent. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't be like, Oh, you should stop drinking. Cause like, that's never my vibe. I'm not here to like convert you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. but like it's just like you said people are curious and like want to know what it's like how did you do it you know mm-hmm. I I genuinely get the same same reaction people like wish oh I wish I could do that yes. you know like that's I wish the, I could do that. yeah and it's just mm-hmm. like well you can't you can't I know I know oh. dude like come over here it's all good And once you have the energy, once you see the benefits where you like have the energy, you like, yeah, I felt less anxious. Like I had more money. Like that's the thing too, is I'm like not making much money. Like I had barely enough money to live in the city. So also I did it to, there was a huge part of me that was like trying to save money. I'm like, I cannot (laughs) afford to spend $200 a weekend on alcohol. Like guys, this is like my rent. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I actually need to live. Imagine that. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the caretaker rule. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you get out of that rule? Mm-hmm. There's a part. So the light, so the shadow side is that there's a control element to that. Okay. You know, caretaker can have the element of control. Um, sure. and control would be if I'm the only sober one and everyone else is drunk, then I'm able to sort of control what's going on. I'm able to like kind of stay in control, you know? So that's also too, when people become sober, there's almost this element of our experience or our aspects of ourselves where there's their controlling nature of, of it, Mm. where it's like, now I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to loosen up. I'm not going to, you know, now I have the opposite where 
before I'd want to leave my body because I felt uncomfortable when I would sure. drink. And now if I ever felt myself being a little drunk, I would freeze because I'd hate to lose that control mm. of that. So there's shadows, that control element. But yeah. then the, the light is that it's really like a part of who I am. Like I'm a very social community-based person that loves the relationships that I have and feels so fulfilled by giving to people and by supporting people yeah. and by being a resource for people. So it was such a good use of my time. Mm. Like I felt like a lot of times I would go out and it would be pointless um, yeah. where I'd be like, okay, am I supposed to just talk to guys? Am I supposed to just like dance? Like I didn't really see, I didn't really understand what we were doing. I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, yeah. what do I do with my hands? What do I do with my hands? Like <laughs> we, like with my friends, I'm like, we've been together for 12 hours already. Like, what are we going to talk about? You know, it was just like, totally. there was no like need for alone time during that age. It was just like kind of crazy. I'm like, what are we doing? So it really gave me something to do where I was like, okay, I'm yeah. watching this, doing this, like kind of gave me like in the smallest way, a little bit of purpose. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Uh, what is your, do you like get down with attachment styles? Yeah. I feel like it's super powerful and I feel like I can oscillate between, between them, depending on the dynamic. And yeah. in my relationship with Lindsay, it's been really beautiful to see our different attachment styles sort of play out. So Lindsay's my best friend and business partner. We've been in business together for seven years. We've been best friends for like eight and she's been my biggest source of growing in relationship. You know, I've had relationships where I have grown a lot, but growing together. Yeah. And it's interesting because the first couple of years of our relationship, I was incredibly avoidant and she was incredibly mm. insecure attachment. So we would have this like weird tension where she would be incredibly anxious. She would feel like she's not doing enough. She's not, you know, providing enough to the business. It was, it was the not enough. Yeah. And I felt like just annoyed. I was like, this is so annoying. Like I just felt annoyed. I wanted to get away. Like it was just annoying. And then later on in our relationship, it's flipped a little bit where now I have okay. the tendency to be anxious and she could be avoidant. Interesting. So, yeah. As an example, you know, we have to travel now because she's in Brooklyn, I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah. So there was a trip that we were supposed to do a few months ago. It's probably six months ago. And she's like, there's something about this trip. I don't want to travel right now. I want to stay in New York, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it just triggered me. I was like, this is so mm-hmm. frustrating to me. I'm feeling abandoned. I'm feeling like you don't want to hang out with me. You don't want to do these things. Yeah. And so I just told her, I'm like, hey, I'm feeling really activated by what you said. Like, can we talk about it later this week? And so during the conversation, it's like, I'm feeling incredibly anxious because she's moved. She's now married. She now yeah. has a new life in New York. I'm feeling like she's going to leave me. And she's totally. feeling suffocated because I'm trying to like get more time from her than she's wanted. So it Mm -hmm. flip flops. And I feel like in my life, it's been such a teacher, mostly in my female relationships, because that's where my deepest healing has been. So a lot of women I would be insecure with are relationships that might not be the relationships that I want to be in, but the relationships that I'm attracted to. So I've had to yes. do a lot of work on that. Yeah. Have you had that too? Oh my gosh. Totally. I totally re- relate. But it's also kind of like, is it like, is this just like a natural response? Like when someone kind of like pulls away or is it like, you know, like how much is, of it is like based on attachment style or how much is it like just human nature, like response to a situation, right? Because they're all responses. 
Mm-hmm. It's not like we're just like sitting here just being anxious on our own. Yeah. Or avoidant on our own. Literally. I think there's probably yeah. a scale, you know, like I think yeah. for me with women, what I'd realize is that if I would pedestal a woman that's in my life as a friend, then yeah. I would want her approval. Then I would sort of abandon myself and do anything I could to get her approval, you know, say no to other friends, um, yeah. only talk about her, only ask questions about her, only do what she wanted to do, never say no to her. And, you know, it was just really unhealthy. So I had to really like reorganize myself in those relationships. But what it is, is that if we do feel self-sourced enough, you know, to be like, okay, I feel really good if I say no to this person, or I feel really good if I tell them how I feel, or I feel really good knowing that I could lose this relationship even, but I still need to say how I feel is like really the goal. So I think it's normal and natural because I think we crave connection as mammals, but I think manifests and the act and the practices that manifest after that are probably what's unhealthy. Yeah, totally. And for some reason, like relationships with women, I don't know about you, but you know, there's been a lot of like mean girl activity in my life. Just like high school, like, you know, um, elementary school, whatever. Like there's just been like some girl on girl crime. And so like those wounds, damn, they run deep. And I totally get it. Like getting that approval from someone that you, you know, think, think is like such a mentor or like doing so much better than you and pedestaling them. Like, yeah. Hundred percent. It is the mean, the mean girl thing, and I was even talking to a friend yesterday about someone in that sort of in my orbit or in my world, and um, it was just so fascinating to me that this person is someone that I don't see as someone I want to be friends with, you know. And okay. I can say it, it sounds mean when you say that, but I think discernment's really important. But I do find I did find myself when I would be in contact with this person wanting their approval. And they almost had that mean mm. girl energy where I was like, this is interesting because I actually don't want to pursue a relationship with this person. I'm very mindful of who's in my space because it's incredibly important to have like good, good energy around, around. Yes. but I was like, why do I still want her approval? And I realized I still was hooked into that mean girl thing where she kind of has that mean girl. I'm better than you energy. So I felt myself even falling into wanting approval from someone that I don't want approval from. And so those yeah. wounds of our, of female friendships and of women to women is, are so, so deep and have, I mean, I still do work on them reparenting myself for some of the stuff that I've been through. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Have you felt rejected by this specific person? Yeah. Like I in say, some way or form, like a yeah, little rejection. A yeah. I would say that. I would say that this person is not, um, really able to, so the way that I connect with people is just very openly and honestly, and this person actually isn't able to really connect vulnerably. So I would sort of Mm. try to be vulnerable and they weren't able to be vulnerable back. So that bid for connection that I was trying to get by being vulnerable felt like it was sort of like hitting a wall. And I felt like I was doing something wrong. I'm like, am I doing something wrong? Cause then I'm like uh, being vulnerable and this person is not. So then I'm like, wait, me. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like what, like you can't penetrate that. You can't like, you can't break down those walls. And so you take it as you take it personally. Yeah. 
Yeah. And if, cause you're being vulnerable, you're like, and the person's not, yeah. which is fine. I should be self-sourced enough to be like, I can be vulnerable because that's my truth. Not because of someone else, but you just feel like exposed a little bit. You're like, oh yeah, I oh, shared something. That totally. You did. You're like, I'm the only one that feels this, you know, all that. Yeah. Oh, totally. You are like way open, raw, yeah. exposed. It's so a, that, it's a whole makes sense. And I'm sure this person too, to be honest, feels rejected by me because we've mm. sort of both been, I don't think we both, I don't think we're a match, which is fine. Like, right. you know, so it's, I could say that this person probably feels that by me. So totally. I mean, the psychic, the psychic power dynamics of women are so freaking wild and they never end and they're just exhausting at times. <laughs> <laughs> um, try dating them. Yes. I can attest. Oh my God. Dude, I, but also I think just how like emotionally available and Mm. how well-spoken and aware and like, oh, you know, just like, oh my God, because women, this is weird thing to say, but because women hate themselves so much, they honestly are so available for, for growth and change. Like they're so self-aware that sometimes it could be because they hate themselves, but then the self-awareness also leads to like greater love of themselves and love in relationships. So there's such a beautiful thing about being in relationship with women. I'm sure. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) We're having, having that's episode two. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it's great. It's, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot of like emotional warfare and it's a lot of like sorting out and like sifting through like what's mine, what's yours. And you can't, fucking save anyone that's the clincher you cannot change anyone you cannot save anyone as much as you love them and like it's like a fucking neon sign of like what's going on yes nope i could only imagine yeah men are a little bit more simple they really are Blessing and a curse, a little bit more. Simple. Blessing and a curse, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends on like how how deep you want to go. <laughs> um, speaking of deep, talk to me about the life edit. Oh yeah, what do we got so going the life on with edit, that? I'm excited. So the life edit, yeah, I actually created in 2019 when I was going through a depressive period of my life. Mm-hmm. I was feeling so deeply depressed. And I've been through depressive episodes in my life, so it's no stranger. But this one, I just was feeling like I had this vision for my dream life. I'm like, okay, my dream life. I'm doing this. I'm wearing this. I'm experiencing this. My money looks like this. My relationships look like this. And it felt so big and grand. I was like, none of this feels possible. Living in my Malibu home on the beach right now doesn't feel exactly possible when I'm living in an apartment, you know, And so I was like, what are some actions that I can do that will get me a little bit closer every day to that dream life rather Mm. than just sitting in my bed, visualizing all day? Because I think in our spiritual or in the spiritual self growth growth space, you can say the affirmations, you can visualize, you can try to just do everything with your mind. But if you're not building momentum and actually building confidence and action by taking small steps, you're never going to get there. Um, so the life edit's really a program to help you move closer to that vision of your dream life and just to bring conscious awareness to your life. I think so many of us are on autopilot and we have 
so many subconscious beliefs around things that we don't really see or understand or have access to. Um, so within the life edit, there's six different realms. There's um, okay. finance, wellness, digital, spatial, relationship, and mental health. And there's energetic practices and, and then um, tactical practices to help you look at the energetics behind your life and then mm -hmm. the uh, actual like tactical parts of your life. So an example would yeah. be, in the wellness edit, I talk about my relationship to alcohol. I, you know, implore for people to bring conscious awareness to their relationship to alcohol. How does yeah. your relationship to alcohol benefit your life? How does it take away from your life? What has been your relationship to alcohol? How can you rewrite the stories that you have around alcohol or the fears that you have around letting it go? Um, and by bringing just those questions to people, they can make better decisions for themselves in their life and really just think about it. You know, so much of our lives are on autopilot, especially with alcohol as the example, we grew up, everyone drank alcohol, everyone got drunk in college, everyone, you know, did all these things. Maybe that wasn't true for the experiences of everyone, but everyone that I knew was like that. So yeah. how could we look at that differently and really just kind of think about it in a way that would support us in living that dream life rather than just being stuck in mm. subconscious programs that we don't know are running. Oh, totally. And it's all autopilot. Like it's, yeah, mm -hmm. it's wild. Mm -hmm. Even just like driving. I don't even know where I'm yeah. going half the time. Yeah, I know. And I end up at like the freaking grocery store. I don't I know, even know dude. what I'm doing. Who's running? Who's driving this car? Yeah. And sometimes it feels good just to freaking leave. You know, you're just like, I'm just going to go to space for a minute. Yeah. But eventually that will be something where, you know, it's running you. So mm. whether it's like food, you know, you're if you're just always eating in front of a computer, you're always rushing. Every time you eat, you feel like you shouldn't have ate because you feel like you're, you don't look the way you want to look. Or every yeah. time you sit down to eat, you're stressed or anxious. Or every time you sit down to eat, you're thinking about how, um, you should be eating less or that you shouldn't be doing this. It's like you have the energy of maybe eating a healthy meal, maybe eating a salad or whatever the fuck, but you also have, or you have the tactical of eating the salad, but then you have the energy of hating yourself because you think you're going to be fat if you eat anything. So it's like right. what's happening in your life. And then what's happening subconsciously are two different things. And you're never going to get the results that you want in any part of your life. If these are mismatched, because it'll always be fighting one another, you know, um, yeah. in our experience. Totally. How do you think sobriety has helped you in like business and personally? Oh my gosh, everything, just everything. I mean, when I was, yeah, when I was in my twenties, when I was like 26, I was yeah. living in Chicago at a job in finance management consulting at a company that I love. What? I, I know. I talked to literally CEOs and or CFOs and heads of audit and tax all day long. Like, oh my so gosh. Um, it taught me a lot, but I wasn't really unhappy. Obviously it was not creative. Yeah. It wasn't what I was looking for and being building confidence through quitting alcohol was huge for me. Like it was just, mm -hmm. I decided to do something. I did it and I followed through. And then not only was I given more energy, more clarity, less anxiety, more money, more space, more time, then I could really be like, okay, how do I actually want to live my life? How do I actually want to spend my time? Cause before I was like hungover all day, Saturday or Sunday, I was going out like Wednesdays too. We would go out yeah. a few times. We were just out. So not only from like a money perspective, energy perspective, clarity perspective, but from time I was given mm -hmm. like 
20 hours a week back to myself so yeah. that I could start meditating, reading, journaling, walking, thinking about my next move, you know, deepening my relationships, knowing myself. Um, and without it, I wouldn't be who I am today. And I wouldn't be as far as I am today. I think it's such a cheat code for people. If they want to build a business, if they want to, you know, start a side hustle, if they want to make more money, if they want to just leave their job and find a more aligned job, if they want to start a podcast, whatever the heck, it's yeah. truly the cheat code to give you so much time back in your life. It's crazy. Yeah. And even just like generally loving yourself, like yes. just yes. a little pathway to like open up that love. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And just my soul, like, I mean, I wasn't able to access my soul part of me until I stopped drinking because mm. I'm such an empath. I'm so psychic. I'm such a feeler. So I'd be going out these places, feeling tons of things with no energetic boundaries all over drinking, just so porous. And I didn't know what I felt, why I felt it, what they felt, why they felt it. I had no identification or discernment between my feelings, other people's feelings, the vibe of the room, nothing. So the alcohol just made it impossible for me to feel into who I was or how I felt or be able to even get to know myself because it just brought me in this lower vibrational state multiple times a week where I was incredibly porous, you know? Yeah. Man, talk about being vulnerable and open, like, woof. Mm-hmm yikes yeah honestly it's like psychically emotionally energetically vulnerable in like yeah. a way that's <laughs> uh, one more question for you Krista to anyone who's listening to us who is maybe thinking about changing their relationship with alcohol or like just going through the things right now what's one piece of advice that you could give I think having a heartfelt, honest conversation with the people that you love and earnestly imploring them to support you in your journey. So, you know, we have the the path, which is like, you know, I'm not drinking, like, you know, the kind of like forcing controlling path, or we have like the truthful heart, like being in your heart with someone you love. You're like, mm -hmm. I'm realizing that alcohol doesn't make me feel good. And I'm really wanting to have a new relationship with it. I'm really wanting to stop even for a few weeks or for a month or whatever. I would love your like genuine support for me feeling better about who I am, mm -hmm. you know, through this choice. And, and when you are able to recruit people from a heartfelt place to support you, it's very hard that they're not going to want to support you. And, and it's yeah. such a different energy and it's a felt sense when you're in your head and your heart, like in your heart, nothing can really go wrong. And when you really support and let people in on your process, then it's kind of like they're doing the boundary work for you too, where they're like, Hey, you know, tonight we're going to go walking or, you know, we're going to watch the bachelor or whatever. We won't, we won't have wine for you or something like that. When yeah. people feel like you're giving them the chance to help people love helping. So they do have that as like something that you can do, I think is really helpful. Yeah. I mean, even just allowing people to help, you know, like to step up, like giving them the opportunity. It's, it's huge. It's like yeah, it's completing huge. the circle of giving. Yes. A hundred percent. And it's vulnerable. It's an ask. It's yeah. a truth. You know, I think, and also too, people are less judgment, judgmental or project less when they are aware of like the why 
Mm. or like if they feel like they're also involved, like it's, it's us versus this. Yeah. It's us versus the problem of me drinking rather than like, I'm not drinking. You can do whatever you want, which is fine. We want them to do whatever they want, but they're on your team. Right. Um, Having them on your team, I think is huge. Yeah. I love that. Uh, Krista, where can we find out more about the life edit and you and all your greatness? This has been so much fun. I feel like I got so much out of it. I have my plan <laughs> next week for getting my secret goods. Oh, yeah. um, and I just love what you do. I've loved your work for such a long time. It's been such a pleasure to know you and be in your orbit. And I'm so grateful for all the work that you're doing for people in such a non-judgmental, approachable, powerful, fun way. So thank you. Oh, um, thanks. You're welcome. And you can find Almost 30 wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, Almost30.com has the life edit. And um, I'm on Instagram. It's Krista. It's I-T-S-K-R-I-S-T-A. And yeah, I think that's it. I think those are all the places that feel good. Perfect. Krista, thank you so, so much for sharing your wisdom, your experience, your knowledge with us. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. I like, don't do these a lot anymore, but I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. I'm like, yes, please. Let's do it. So I appreciate it. How fantastic is Krista? I love her open and honesty, and I love that she's able to get vulnerable. I am right there with you, sister. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, leave your feedback about the podcast. And remember, sharing is caring. If you think someone needs to hear an episode, please give it a share. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Sober Girls Guide and head over to asobergirlsguide.com. We have you covered at any stage of your booze-free journey from challenges, worksheets, to our Sober Girl Social Club community, keeping you together, helping you find other like-minded, sober, sober, curious women. We got your back. At any stage of your booze-free journey, head to a sobergirlsguide.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day. <laughs>